If you are looking to grow and transform and connect with a beautiful heart-led community also on a path of healing and transformation, then I'm inviting you to my HeartSpace Facebook group. It is a place for spiritual seekers to find healing, to find answers within themselves and connect with other heart-led seekers. In this group, I'll be sharing daily tips on trauma-informed practices for self-healing, behind-the-scenes video lessons on working with your inner child, regulating your nervous system, accessing your intuition, and using your powerful mind to work for you and not against you. This is a place to collaborate, share resources, and also learn from other active members who are heart-led spiritual seekers. This is where I will be teaching you high-level information about my medicine within method that I've used to come home to myself and that I regularly guide my clients home to their authentic selves with. There's going to be a ton of value in this group over the coming days, weeks, and months, and year. So don't miss out. Go to the link in the show notes and check out the HeartSpace Healing for Spiritual Seekers Facebook group. It is totally free to join, and there's going to be so much value shared in there. Hello, and welcome to the Mind Body Free Podcast. I am your host, Abigail Moss. I'm a shaman. I'm here to awaken the healers, to not simply teach you, but to bring you home to your own divinity, nature, and spirit so that you may remember the depths of your own being, power and purpose, and embody your original medicine in all that you do. This work is not for the faint of heart, but for the driven seeker who will not quit until they find what calls them. This is for those who are ready to step into their power, even though it fucking terrifies them. This is for the medicine women the light workers, and the weary souls who've lived countless lifetimes. This is a path to mend your deepest of wounds, to remember the innocence of your nature. This is a way of embodiment, integrity, and awakening. It is a portal back to your soul and a bridge between worlds. This is where we reclaim our magic, our birthright, and our true being. A magic that was hidden for centuries by religion, madness, and fear. It is a power that stirs in our wombs and a knowing whispered by our ancestors. It is a song sung by the universe. It is our birthright our divinity, and our being. We are here to remember it, embody it, and return it to the world from which it was hidden. Welcome. This is Season 2, Reclaim Your Magic. So I want to share in this episode a little bit about the journey that I've been going through lately. I've been going through a really intense season of my lifelong path to healing. And I say lifelong because I believe that it is a continuous journey. We are constantly in a state 
of evolution and moving towards our truest and freest expression of ourselves. And I want to acknowledge that, that it's not really a one and done thing. You don't really go to one experience, one healing session, and then you're good forever. (laughs) Um, It's layered. And being an infinite being, many of us being old souls who experience many lifetimes, uh, many heartaches and hardships, there's a lot to unpack and release and transform. So it is a journey. And I'm in it for the long haul because I couldn't imagine anything else. I couldn't imagine being stagnant and not evolving and moving towards peace and freedom and wholeness and happiness and all those things that ultimately live inside each of us that are always available to us, but our past traumas and limiting beliefs and unhealthy patterns and coping mechanisms that we create from that pull us away from the peace that is a part of our nature. And so the journey that I'm on and that I support others in is breaking free of those things that stop us from being our true divine selves so that we can step deeper into awakening, into awareness, into peace and freedom and show up in the way that we're meant to really share our gifts with the world. So lately I've been going through a process of deeper embodiment in the work that I share with others in coming more deeply into my body and going deeper in the inner work. Now, my husband would tell you that I do more inner work than anybody he knows, (laughs) and that's probably true, but uh, there are ways that my mind, which is trying to protect me, this is what our mind does, protects us from pain and discomfort, will shut down and compartmentalize will unconsciously compartmentalize and put up walls against our own issues to protect us from discomfort and pain. But the problem with that is we don't get to grow. It holds us back. So I've been going deeper into removing those barriers, becoming aware of them and removing them and getting more deeply connected with my body, with my own natural way of being, with my divinity, with what feels harmonious and whole and empowered to me. And part of what I've been doing lately is reconnecting with grief. I've been getting a lot of messages from the universe and my mind's been picking up on these messages of you need to process grief. And sadness is something that throughout my whole life, if I had a tendency to dip into any dark place, it would be the sadness that I felt the most. And so I know that there's grief there that I'm yet to process. And so last night I dipped into it a little bit. I took um, a little bit of cannabis. It's just fully legal all throughout Canada, fortunately. And sometimes that really just helps me get um, into my body and break through those mental barriers. But I know how to navigate the medicine, so I'm not condoning one way or the other. But anyway, with the support of cannabis, we are able to go into feeling in my body, into feeling this deep sense of uh, pain, emotional pain. And then I felt like I just dipped into my heart center. And from that space, I just touched it for a moment, this in profound, <laughs> intense grief. And as I touched it, my body was trembling. 
my body was trying to, it was a little bit of a nervous system override where it was a lot. It was very intense. And as I was feeling it, I was getting these images, this knowing of places it was coming from. So it was a combination of familial and ancestral grief, uh, past lifetime grief, things that happened in other lifetimes. And something that I became consciously aware of was environmental grief or eco grief. And I feel like this is one that we are a situation environmentally that we are all in together. And the level at which we acknowledge and process this grief is dependent on each of us and our readiness to go there because it is such a big one. But whether or not our mind allows us in there or we choose to consciously break through the mental barriers set up to protect us, our heart is feeling it. And so if we don't allow ourselves to process that grief or any grief for that matter, it weighs on the heart, it weighs on the body, and then it can create mental and physical illness and disease. So I know it's really important to feel this stuff and to process this stuff. So as I was feeling it, I was reminded of um, something I had heard about a grief support group, an eco grief support group. And I thought, this is what I need. I don't want to process this alone. I don't feel like I'm meant to. And I, so I did some searching and I found uh, the goodgriefnetwork.org and they have these programs and, and this 10 step system of processing eco grief for our own well being and so that we can then be more effective in changing our habits and taking action to support a shift for a more sustainable way of living. Because if we are so overwhelmed with grief, if our mind is protecting us from this, the intensity of that feeling, we're not going to think about it. We're not going to process it. We're not going to look at it. It's going to get blocked away in a black box. And it's going to be the thing that our mind doesn't let us go to. And we can't really get much done in that way. So in order to be effective and helpful with the climate crisis, I know that I need to first process more of my grief I feel around that. And I want to share from the Good Grief Network their 10 steps to processing and dealing with the situation that we're in now. I feel like, for me anyway, these steps really speak to the depth of where we are at and the, the power and intensity of processing that. So this is their 10 steps, not too much unlike the 10-step alcoholics program where there's 10 steps to dealing with things. So this is the 10 steps from the Good Grief Network on processing ego grief. Step one, accept the severity of the predicament. And it's a simple statement, but it holds a lot of power. And it speaks to a really powerful acknowledgement, I feel, that has the capability to incredibly shift energy and the way that we are responding as human beings to what's happening in these times. Step two, acknowledge I am part of the problem and solutions. So this one, I feel like it can feel triggering. We can want to say, well, this is industry's fault. You know, this is government's fault. People in power need to make the changes. But the fact of the matter is they're not. And so 
it's going to be, I believe, each individual's journey of awakening and then coming together to create the change that's needed and to demand the change that's needed in the world. So it's a lot more empowering, even though it's scarier and harder to do step two. To acknowledge that I am both part of the problem and the solution. It's hard, but that is true ownership, that is leadership, that is responsibility. You know, that's that's growing up. <laughs> if you can put it in any more simple terms. Step three, practice being with uncertainty. It's interesting. This is actually something that I sat with in yoga class the other night. We've received news that our dog has emerging lymphoma, which is kind of uh, lymphatic cancer. And I'm going to be working with him through energy work and diet and herbs, help him heal. But of course, it was a grieving process to learn that. And it was a really difficult day when we got that news and I was in yoga class and one of my guides showed up. And uh, while I was in class, I often go on these visionary shamanic journeys once, once I hit the mat, because I'm doing a yin yoga, which is very much slow, gentle movement, lying down, opening up the body, breaking through the traumas that get held in the body. So there I was in yoga class with this darkly lit room. It's a heated room. There's music playing. I'm going inward. I'm feeling myself in outer space. And this guide shows up and wrapped us both in this bubble of gold light within that space. And he said to me, can you get comfortable with uncertainty? And when he asked me that, I got this image of falling, like I was falling through that golden bubble of light in down through space, down to the abyss, the, the depths of darkness. And I felt this panic energy arising me and this feeling of saying, no, I need to hold on. I need to make things happen. If I don't hold on, everything will fall apart and into ruin and I'll be surrounded by darkness. And he said to me, you need to have faith. And in that moment, the energy shifted and I had this realization that when I am in fear, when I I am in fear with a space of uncertainty, I am not in a place of having faith. And this is faith in anything. It could be faith if you believe in God or the universe or spirit or divinity, or just faith in each moment, faith in yourself, faith that it's going to be okay. It was just the energy of faith. And I didn't need to have any belief in one thing or any story. I just called in the energy of faith. And as I called in that energy of faith, I felt this light coming in. I felt nature holding me. I felt held and I felt safe and I felt like I can let go. I don't need to hold on to everything because I'm being held because there's more than just me that are keeping things moving, that are keeping this world together. Thank God. (laughs) It's too much for any one individual's shoulders. So that was very healing for me. And it showed me that I can sit with uncertainty And when I have faith, there's no need for fear. It's just being in the moment, being in the moment, being with 
the energy of faith within the space of uncertainty because everything within life is uncertain. I don't believe we live in a deterministic reality whatsoever. We have free will. There's so much happening beyond our awareness, beyond our scope, beyond our control. So trying to control it is just going to create so much suffering for ourselves. So practice being with uncertainty. And for me, that also means not having an agenda, not needing anything to be one outcome in order to be happy or okay, except that it's bigger than me. It's beyond all of us. My dog's health, what's happening in the environment, we can't be attached to the outcome, but we can do our best to help. That's all we can do. That and the inner work, which enables us to do our best to help. All right, step four, honor my mortality and the mortality of all. Ooh, that's a big one. Can you feel the power of that one? Honor my mortality and the mortality of all. What, what kind of world would we live in if we were all doing that? <laughs> yeah. We're here for a while, for a period of time. It's not for forever. All things shall pass. This too shall pass. Honor that. We all have mortality. So let's make our time here as beautiful as can be. And you know, as a shaman, I know through my experience of existence and through supporting others and through mediumship that we don't end when the body dies. When our spirit leaves the body, our spirit is still energy and consciousness that cannot be created or destroyed. That is... It changes states. So we do move on to the next place, you know, which can be varied for each of us. Hopefully we move into the light unless you end up needing mediumship to do that. But honoring the mortality of this lifetime in this body, and this is a part of life for all of us. And we cannot argue with the greater laws of nature and rhythms of life that allows us the experience here to come in and swim in this ocean of life and then take our leave. What an amazing, beautiful, profound thing to do. Step five, do inner work. Well, yeah, I 100% agree. (laughs) It is the inner work that transforms our lives and transforms our impact in the world. Everything that holds us back is inside of us. The mind will look to project to think that the answers are outside of us. That is the mind, the ego's habit, but they are not. They are always inside. And if you are struggling with some, with motivation or confidence or self-worth or self-love, or any of those, that is going to hold you back because that is those feelings inside are going to form the narrative through which you see yourself and the world in which you live. And if you want to change that world, you need to change the narrative. And there's no way around it but doing the inner work. And it is not easy. It's fucking hard. But that is the only way 
to transform your life and to step in to who you are truly meant to be and the work you are truly meant to do. And it's also fucking beautiful because as you work through and release the societal conditioning, the familial, ancestral, and past life trauma, you, in shamanism, it's called soul retrieval, where you get a part of yourself back and reconnect it with the whole of who you are. And it's like the feeling of a part of your soul returning to you is like nothing else. It is the most beautiful, heart-expanding experience that you can have. And I've been through it many a time, and I'm sure I will go through it more. It is a continuous journey of coming back into reunion with the infinity that is your being. It's pretty awesome. (laughs) Step six, develop awareness of brain patterns and perception. So this is very important. Because how I mentioned, the ego likes to protect us from pain. And it is the mind's job to keep you alive, and that is it. It is not here to necessarily help you evolve, and it's certainly not here to make you happy. It is our each of our own responsibility to become the watchers of our own mind and to become aware of the habits and patterns that the mind forms to protect itself. And I'm going into that. A little bit more, I think, actually. So I've really been enjoying this book lately called Potent Leadership by Ruby Fremon. And in it, she speaks to the id, the ego, and the superego from Sigmund Freud, from his theory of these three components of the mind. And she breaks down the ego So the part of the mind that is constantly working to protect itself, often through any means necessary. And it is the part of us that feels defensive, that has defense mechanisms that are there to protect you from anything that is unpleasant. And it's not that the ego is bad. We need the ego. The ego creates an identity, a sense of self and separation from you and another. So you know to put the glass of water up to your mouth and not somebody else's. So we we can't abolish the ego, but it needs to be in balance. We can't, we, we can, but it's not great. We don't want to live from the ego. We don't want to allow the ego to run the show because that's putting us in this extreme version of defensiveness, um, of really a lack of growth because the ego is protecting you from anything uncomfortable. And of course, you have to get uncomfortable to grow. That's just part of transformation. So here are the steps that the ego takes to protect us from anything that is unpleasant. Number one is repression. Your ego pushes unwanted thoughts out of your conscious mind. Two is denial. Your ego blocks unwanted, upsetting, undesired, and overwhelming experiences and events causing you to not see, not believe, not acknowledge, and perhaps even refuse to accept what's happening. Hmm. Does that sound familiar with the environmental crisis? (laughs) Number three is projection. As an attempt to fix your problems, your ego attributes, your unacceptable thoughts, feelings, and motives to another person. And this is something that you know, we go into a lot with my clients and part of my inner work, I I work with um, the work of Byron Katie and she's created an incredibly powerful system 
that she calls the work for breaking down projections and realizing the patterns of the mind, these unhealthy patterns of the mind to project our thoughts and feelings and motives onto someone else. And so the work, if you're wondering, you go to thework.com or check out Byron Katie on YouTube or on her podcast. She is amazing and the work is powerful. All right, the next pattern, the next defense mechanism of the ego is displacement. Your ego will have you satisfy an impulse via a substitute person or object in a socially unacceptable way. For example, releasing the anger that you feel toward yourself on your partner instead. So we're basically displacing the pain that we feel somewhere else. And I think this could also be something that forms, you know, addictions as we know it. So instead of facing the pain, I'm going to distract myself with a kind of substance or shopping or sex, any destructive behavior, habit, or a substance that allows us to feel a little bit better in the moment. Next one is regression. Your ego will lead you to move backward in your development to cope with stress or overwhelming situations. So acting like an 11-year-old or your 11-year-old self. And this is something that happens often, for example, in romantic relationships. So with your partner or spouse, we will often revert back to our inner child when we get triggered. And <laughs> our couples therapist would, you know, has said that we get married so that we can trigger each other because that is the inner child wanting to heal. So we will find partners that push those buttons for us because each time the button gets pushed, that is an opportunity for healing. So it is not uncommon, you know, when you say, when you ask your partner, hey, can you do this or that? And they, you instantly get the snap back. And you're like, where did that come from? It's like, well, that was the inner child who is pushing back and fighting because in that moment you reminded them of their over-controlling dad or their alcoholic mother. So it's never about you in that moment. That's, that's someone reverting back to their wounded inner self. The next pattern of the mind is rationalization. Your ego attempts to justify a mistake, problem, or undesired feeling with seemingly logical reasons or explanations. Put your hand up if you've done that. My hand is up. We've all been there. We've all done that. Something that I love as a way to bypass that is getting into the body because the body does not rationalize. The body is 100% authentic with the experience that it is feeling, with the emotions that are felt, with what it likes and what it doesn't like. And something that I do with my clients is teaching them how to get back into their body and listen to their body. And it's a practice because we have to retrain ourselves from looking for the answers outside of us and other people, on Google, on other podcasts, on anything that is outside of us, the answers are always going to be inside of you. And your powers of discernment, of knowing what is right for you and what's not, what is true, what is false, that is going to be in your body. So to get past the rationalization of the mind, we get into the body. That's a tool that I love to bypass that and to really rise above that. Because the mind is going to try to justify anything that it feels an agenda towards. So I live in Alberta, in Canada, which is a very oil and gas driven industry in this province. So there are a lot of people who don't believe in climate change because their bills are paid through the oil and gas industries. So the mind will try to rationalize why we need oil and gas, 
why there are no other ways, why green alternatives are bad, because behind that there's fear. Like if we don't do this, then what is there to do? But of course, there's. we know that the largest growing industry for jobs is alternative energy. <laughs> so it's just education and that part. All right. Reaction formation. Your ego will lead you to express yourself or behave in ways that are opposite of your true feelings. For example, attempting to control everything because you actually feel insecure. So your ego will lead you to express yourself or behave in ways that are opposite of your true feelings. So how many times, how many of you have done this where you've betrayed what actually felt right because you felt that you needed to do something else? So whether that is doing so much for others and not taking care of yourself, or that is saying yes when you really mean no, or trying to control everything because it doesn't feel safe because of of some kind of insecurity. So this is another one that I've been through. And I think if you look for long enough, you'll find that you've been through too. Guys, we've all been through this. These are the patterns of the mind. This is not any condemnation. This is a process of illumination, of becoming aware of the way that our minds work so that we can then rise above them. And there's no need for any guilt or shame or blame with that. We are all going through it together. All right, so the next pattern of the mind, the last one here is sublimation. So like displacement, your ego will have you satisfy an impulse via a substitute person or object, but in a socially acceptable way. For example, channeling your frustration into your workouts. So this would be an example of, because it's a socially acceptable way, a socially acceptable addiction. So working out is seen as a good thing, but it can be a way to avoid feeling pain. You know, yoga is a, I need it in my life. I need it for my own healing and well-being, but people can also use it. Any one of us could also use it as a way to numb by just pushing and pushing and pushing. So it is any form, what I would call socially acceptable addiction. So those are the eight forms of defensiveness that the ego will put up in order to protect you from anything unpleasant. And of course, in order to grow and change, we have to become aware of and break through these patterns, these defense mechanisms, so that we can then step into our authentic nature, our power, our integrity, our medicine, and share that with the world. And dude, the world needs that right now. (laughs) It couldn't need it more. So moving back now to the 10 steps of dealing with eco-grief. We just went over step six, develop awareness of brain patterns and perception. Moving in now to step seven, which is practice gratitude, witness beauty, and create connections. And I see this as a very necessary yang to the yin. So the yin is the dark, it is the inward, it is, it is doing the shadow work. The yang is the light, it is the outward, it is filling back up with light. And this is essential for restoration because you can burn out from doing too much inner work. It can't be all shadow work, shadow work, shadow work. The best of us will inevitably burn out from too much of that. We need to have balance in our lives. So practicing gratitude, witnessing beauty, and creating connections are all things that are going to lift us back up 
and bring us into a state of harmony and peace and appreciation. And that is so deeply nourishing for your mind, your body, and your spirit. So I love step seven. And I think if we all did more of this, we'd be in a wonderful place. And it is an essential yang to the yin. We need to do the shadow work. We need to face our own demons so they don't run our lives anymore. But after you do that, appreciate be in the beauty in the gratitude and the connectedness with nature with those who you feel lifted up when you're around them that is the stuff that is going to make it all worthwhile and fill you back up so that you then have the capacity and the stamina to do the lifelong healing journey and that's what makes it beautiful all right step eight take breaks and rest that is continuation of the yang to the yin. We need to restore ourselves. We can't push ourselves too far. We can't go into that place of burnout because then we're not effective. We don't feel good in ourselves. You deserve to be happy. And it is happy people. It is people who are nourished, who are able to create massive change in this world for the, for the better, to make this world a better place. Step nine, show up. So when we do steps one through eight, it enables us to show up. When we face our darkness, when we let the light in, when we give it time to rest and integrate into our being, then we have the strength. Then we have the strength of being to show up for ourselves, number one, and for others and for the environment or for what whoever whatever it feel you feel you need to show up for now when you do these other steps this is what enables you the integrity and the strength the accountability to be there for yourself and others and step 10 reinvest into meaningful efforts so take action so from there, when we do the work on ourselves, and it begins within us, it has to begin within us. This cannot be an ego-driven, I need to be significant, I need to change the world, it's the only way I'll be happy. Like That's coming from a broken place. And when we come from that energy, we're not being the change we want to see in the world, and it's not going to come from the strength of being an integrity that is needed in order to create the kind of changes that the world needs right now. So we really have to do this work within ourselves to embody our true being so that we can show up and then reinvest into meaningful efforts and help each other. That's what we're meant to do. We're not meant to work alone. We are social species. We are meant to support each other. And there's no one in this world who does everything alone. And even if you are recluse away from other humans, nature is there with you, supporting you. The air we breathe is given to us by the trees breathing as well. Everything is working together. So the more that we can integrate that connectedness and community, the more that we can lift and support each other up. I send you my love. May you have grace in this journey. May you break through the walls that your mind puts up to protect you so that you can grow and transform into the depth of your true being. And know that you don't have to do it alone. Community, I truly have found to be an essential ingredient, a very, very powerful ingredient to healing the heart. 
And I have a completely free of charge to join HeartSpace Facebook group for spiritual seekers. This is where I go live every Wednesday night and I share behind the scenes information on what is working for me and my clients using the medicine within method. It's a method that I created that's a roadmap home to your authentic self where you learn how to heal and free yourself of societal conditioning that steered you away from who you actually are of the ancestral, familial, and past life traumas that behind the scenes govern how you think, feel, and act. This is embodied somatic healing. This is working with the subconscious, with the mind, with the spirit. So it is powerful, deep work, and you get to be a part of this heart-led community totally free of charge. Just go to the show notes and click on Heart Space Facebook group for spiritual seekers, and I'd love to have you in there. Until next time, my friends, sending you my love.